0: You're listening to DB Diary thanks to Lakers Dragon Boat Club, the home of dragon boat paddling in Brisbane's Forest Lake. Good afternoon. It's March 3rd, 2021. I can't believe how quickly this year is going. Before moving into the main topic of today, which is how do we go about getting dragon boating to become an Olympic sport? You may have seen the announcement last week that Brisbane is the front runner to host the 2032 Olympics. So we'll be touching base with our special guest for today, who is a member of UQ's. Research Centre for Olympic Studies, and that is Dr. Ian Jobling, so he'll be joining us just in a second, but first I just wanted to offer a few mentions in response to a post I did on Monday about the startling figures coming out from DBQ, which doesn't paint a good picture about registration levels in our sport, particularly Concerning the juniors and the premier age categories. So we have Taina here from Lakers Dragon Boat Club. She says um, that we need to market to fresh eyes. We need to give the juniors and prem something enticing to join for. Where's our dedicated junior and premier games? If we can't get the numbers to race, we don't race at all. Unless we use our senior paddlers to compete back-to-backs. Yeah, I agree with you, Taina. Totally. I've been in that situation where at, at club level... We've had our seniors who've been back backing up racing. Often by the end of it, they've done six 500-meter races before they even get to finals. And from Marucci Sea Serpents, we have we're looking at a membership drive in partnerships with gyms, which again I think the gyms are a huge untapped resource. And from my experience in dealing with with one local gym for our club. They really are keen to come on to get on board with new ideas, whether it be rowing challenges or getting your club's name out there and, and doing sort of combined come and tries. So definitely an untapped resource there. And we have Rachel from Manly. She's just checking in. So she says here, let's see, we were just talking about this issue at Manly. We need to work together to recruit more men and young people. So that's some of the general sentiment coming in from the Dragon Birding community. Thank you so much for your feedback. DB Diary is your community. So if you have an idea, if you have a concern, please message me personally. I don't have to identify you, but please message me and we'll get the ball rolling and we can take up your issues with the powers to be, whether it be DBQ, OzDBF, the IDBF even, we can make that happen. Your voice matters here. You may have seen last week the announcement from the Queensland Government that Brisbane is the frontrunner to host the 2032 Olympic Games. Now, here's some of that announcement from Thursday last week with John Coates, the Australian Olympic Committee President.
1: We're going to be very, very pleased with last night's announcement. The, uh, as you know, we've been moved to uh, the status of um, pref- preferred... Uh, candidate. We're the preferred candidature. We're, in, um, uh, we're the only one, uh, the other cities that had shown interest, that had presented, uh, they've been parked um, for a future games.
0: Which is very exciting for all, and it got me thinking, what does dragon boating have to do to become an Olympic sport? It's a vexed issue. It has a lot of politics behind it, but I wanted to get a general idea of what's involved with that process from pitching a sport to the International Olympic Council to it becoming an official event on the Olympic agenda. Now, to shed light on this, I'm joined by Dr. Ian Jobling, the Honorary Director of UQ's Centre for Olympic Studies. Dr. Jobling, thank you so much for your time today. What do you, what, firstly, what do you make of the, uh, the bid for Brisbane?
1: I think it's fantastic uh, and very timely for it to come back into the Oceania region uh, 2024, it's in Paris, uh, 2021, it's in Asia, uh, 2028, of course, it's going to Los Angeles, back to America, mm. and then Oceania for 2032, which I think is great.
0: Now, mm. you're part of the 1992 bid, can you just elaborate on that briefly?
1: Uh, yes, We, Sally Ann Atkin presented a, a terrific bid. Um, uh, following uh, on the success of the 1982 Commonwealth Games, yeah. and uh, but it was up against Barcelona with Samurant near retirement, and uh, so it was always going to be very difficult for mm. that bid. But it was a very, and it was really the forerunner for uh, Melbourne, and then of course the successful Sydney bid.
0: Tough competition indeed. In terms of the process for selecting a sport into the official Olympic agenda, what's required there? What do, exactly do they look for?
1: Well, I alluded to five regions of the world, or the five rings, and mm-hmm. they represent regions of the world. And really, a sport should be uh, global. Mm. And so at least three of those rings, uh, it, would be great, it would be an advantage to for that sport to be played quite uh, extensively uh, by various countries in those regions. Now, Oceania is a bit difficult, of course, because you've got a lot of islands out there and a lot of sea. But basically, the three major ones are North America and Europe and uh, and Asia are the significant ones now. Uh, so that's a start. The other thing is that they need to be popular sports, increasingly um, popular in terms of television or visual uh, presentation mm. um, <clears throat> because increasingly the funds raised through the, to the IOC are through uh, the television rights and, and radio, but uh, television especially. And so they're looking to things that are really popular. An example of that is the number of winter sports that have been added, which are spectacular. I mean, they used to have just the slalom and the, and the downhill well, you think of now all those events that you've got, uh, the, the aerial events, these uh, um, mogul events, and the uh, snowboarding and so on. So that's the sort of event they're looking for. And uh, you alluded, I think, to dragon boat racing. Um, well, it's so colourful. Uh, mm. And uh, rowing. rowing, of course, is, uh, and canoeing and kayaking um, is all, all already in there. But uh, that sort of race would, would lend itself to it.
0: You were talking, I think, earlier about this idea that it's it's got to be played in the nation, um, or what, is it a, a certain number of those um, nations? Or yeah, it's yeah.
1: It, that uh, three fifths of the of the regions. It, mm. it it would be at least you know. In other words, it's it's a, it's going to be a global sport. Yeah. Because otherwise, it it, it doesn't attract uh, people from various um, from all nations. So that's a good start. It's not, It's a principle, not a directive.
0: Now, here's where I have a bit of an issue with with the principle of it is when you start seeing a sport like breakdancing, for instance, which is um, getting a look in for the France Olympics. Hmm. How do you then? How does that all stack up? Because a sport like dragon boating, where it's fiercely competitive, um, in many of those nations there is a strong supporter base there, and there is a strong financial backing for it. Not in Australia as such. So, what does? How does that? How do they then take that into account?
1: You come back to the difficulty of defining what a sport is. Yes. And breakdancing, of course, it, it, when there used to be social dancing, and then, of course, if you remember Strictly Baller in the great Australian film, yeah. uh, you know that, that you wouldn't have thought that would be. Uh, but dancing was a, was a recreational activity. Well, now they realize that just what can happen if it becomes competitive. And so various, uh, to become an Olympic sport is a huge advantage mm. because the funds and the sponsorship and the so on and So many, many uh, sports are trying to be competitive. And uh, uh, I must admit, I have to be careful because there are some that I wouldn't, but there, there's still an ongoing effort for chess to be an Olympic sport. Now, okay. chess is a fantastic activity, mm. um, but the problem is it's not, it's, it's not one that's really necessary in terms of what you do with uh, how you move the board i mean you can move the piece on the board the pawn or the knight or whatever it might be with your toe or your foot or your mouth or your nose yes uh, and the actual movement is not valued so one of the one of the underlying principles is that there is a quality of movement which is appreciated and comes to the point that you could it can be measured now you know they they're moving to the stage of breakdancing that they can break and they can actually analyze it and say yep there this person did this move this this person did that move. Mm-hmm. If you think of ice skating and then it became ice dancing, it's very subjective, but there are principles within it. And so sports are becoming more in a sense c- um, competitive because of the advantage of becoming an Olympic sport.
0: Okay, I see. And, and as for the process behind pitching a sport, so let's say that it ticks those boxes, it's, it's a spectacle, that mm. it has a lot of money behind it and it's popular. Yep. What's then the mm. process to pitch it and have it accepted?
1: Well, there's, a, there's, a, there's two levels. The General Assembly of Inter- International sorry, General Assembly of international Sports Federation is the, is the governing body of, of, of sport, really. And so okay. they have to get – the sport has to get into that level first. In other words, it's got to become an, an acknowledged sport federation internationally. I see. And that's why, in a sense, you have to have it being very global. Yes. All right? If it's not a real international sport, it's not going to make it. So you get into that first, and then the IOC starts to look at it and say, well – where is it what is it how popular is it um, does it is it acceptable to the principles of the Olympic movement in terms of fair play measurement and so on and so forth so mm. it's a long process the fact that you mentioned dragon racing has money is a help because it is a very expensive process mm. um, but they're, they're basically the thing making their way up to it see netball netball is a difficulty because it's not really a global sport
0: that's it. Uh, it's yeah.
1: played in Europe played in point. in uh, in Europe, it's played in South Africa, but not, not many countries in South Africa. Not very few countries in Europe and very little in the United States and South America. So netball is a fantastic sport. Got all the assets and so on, but it's not it's not really a global sport.
0: And I guess you could say the same for things like cricket and Aussie rules, which have been pitched in.
1: And you could say the same for rugby.
0: Yes, exactly. But they got there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, rugby. I suppose it has a bigger audience. But anyway, moving on. Um, but mm. I, I, I thought that point you made about the um, the governing body and how it's got to have a clear and distinct governing body that's quite interesting because dragon boating mm. has historically had a bit of tension there. Between who mm. has ownership over the rights of the sport, with the um, International mm. Camus Federation and the International Dragon Boating Federation vying for that control. Mm. So yeah, it's interesting times ahead, no doubt.
1: Yes, I think so, because that that would be the first stage to become a recognized body by the General Assembly of International Sports Federations. And at one stage, wrestling in Australia had mm. two Bodies. Yeah. Uh, and um, fortunately, uh, they sorted it out before they went to the specific Olympics. But uh, it, it doesn't help to have various bodies within the one country or within the one group. You need you need a
0: united body. I see. Well, Dr. Ian Jobling, it's uh, been a pleasure talking, and I really appreciate your time this afternoon. Thank you, Aaron. Bye. That's Dr. Jobling from UQ's Centre for Olympic Studies. That's just about it from me for now. So stay tuned, stick around. There'll be more updates, more news from our dragon boating community coming up on our social media. So jump on that, like the Facebook page, like the Instagram page. See you for now.